This is the Today's RDH Dental Hygiene Podcast. The podcast for curious and passionate dental hygienists. Kara RDH here, and I want to thank Listerine for sponsoring this podcast audio article. Although Listerine Antiseptic is the most extensively tested over-the-counter mouth rinse in the world, with over 30 long-term clinical trials examining its safety and efficacy, there is still some misinformation out there over the uses of mouth rinses containing alcohol. To help understand the safety of alcohol-containing mouth rinses, in case any patients ask you about it, head on over to rdh.tv slash Listerine Safety. That's rdh.tv slash Listerine Safety. The link is also in the description of this audio article. And please note, although a sponsor of this audio article, Listerine and Johnson & Johnson Consumer Inc. had no input into or control over the content being presented in this podcast. Now let's get to the audio article. Evidence-Based Dentistry Carries Management Guidelines for the Dental Professional by Spring Hatfield, RDH, BSPH. Healthcare in every area should be based on evidence. For years, the medical profession has evolved to provide better guidance and protocols to provide the standard of care across the board. Dentistry, though, has stayed stagnant for many years. To this day, dentistry is practiced on a spectrum, while other areas of healthcare are more calibrated with treatment protocols. In dentistry, there are a few agreed-upon guidelines. But many decisions are based on personal experience and not science. In 2007, the American Dental Association, ADA, established the Center for Evidence-Based Dentistry, and it's been working to implement guidelines and evidence-based dental practice. However, the ADA has struggled to gain a foothold among practicing dentists and dental hygienists. There are close to 200,000 dentists and an estimated 214,700 practicing dental hygienists in the United States. And we cannot all make decisions based on experience. Science must guide clinical decision-making. Otherwise, we're doing our patients a disservice. What is evidence-based dentistry? Evidence-based dentistry aims to integrate the best available evidence with clinical expertise and patient needs and preferences. The objective is to improve the quality of dental care our patients receive, as well as calibrate the treatments for clear guidance. The best available evidence is grounded in research that provides evidence to support the treatment protocols used. The highest level of research evidence is systematic reviews and meta-analyses and or randomized controlled trials. When determining the level of evidence, there is a hierarchy of evidence that should be considered. The hierarchy of evidence is determined by the trustworthiness of the research and data. The higher level of evidence is the best available evidence, though in different sections of the pyramid, both systematic reviews and meta-analysis, as well as randomized controlled trials, are considered the gold standard of evidence. Both are level one on the evidence hierarchy. This is the evidence that should be used in clinical practice. Non-restorative caries management. Though efforts have been made to encourage minimally invasive approaches to dental caries through non-invasive, micro-invasive, clinical, and public health preventative services, the drill-and-fill approach is still predominant in many dental settings. The ADA has developed updated evidence-based guidelines on the management and prevention of caries. An expert panel conducted a systematic review to create evidence-based clinical recommendations to arrest or reverse non-cavitated and cavitated carious lesions using non-restorative treatments for both children and adults. Recommendations for non-restorative carious treatment coronal surface for primary teeth 
occlusal non-cavitated carious lesions, sealants plus 5% sodium fluoride varnish, application every three to six months, or sealants alone. If this treatment isn't feasible, the second best treatment options are 5% sodium fluoride varnish, application every three to six months, 23% APF gel, application every three to six months, resin infiltration plus 5% sodium fluoride varnish, application every three to six months, and 2% sodium fluoride mouth rinse once per week. Occlusal cavitated lesions, 38% SDF solution. Approximal non-cavitated lesions, 5% sodium fluoride varnish, application every three to six months, or resin infiltration alone. Additional options include resin infiltration plus 5% sodium fluoride varnish, application every three to six months, sealants alone. Approximal cavitated lesions, 38% SDF solution, annual application, facial or lingual non-cavitated lesions, 5% sodium fluoride varnish, application every 3 to 6 months, or 1.23% APF gel, application every 3 to 6 months, and facial or lingual cavitated carious lesion, 38% SDF solution, annual application. Recommendations for non-restorative carious treatment root surfaces of permanent teeth both non-cavitated and cavitated carious lesions. 5,000 parts per million fluoride, 1.1% sodium fluoride toothpaste or gel, at least once per day. If that treatment isn't feasible, choose one of the following. 5% sodium fluoride varnish, application every three to six months. 38% SDF solution plus potassium iodine, annual application. 38% SDF solution alone, annual application. And 1% chlorohexidine, 1% thymol varnish, application every three to six months. It's recommended that these areas be closely monitored to ensure treatment is successful. This can be done through radiographic evaluations, indicating a rest or a reversal over time, and through observing signs of hardness. Clinicians should implement additional or alternate treatment options if there's any indication of progression. Of note, the expert panel specifically recommends against the use of 10% casein phosphorated amorphous calcium phosphate, CPP-ACP, to arrest or reverse non-cavitated or cavitated carious lesions. The official statement from the panel states 10% CPP-ACP should not be used as a substitute for fluoride products. Carries prevention. Dental hygienists are prevention specialists. Our role in healthcare is unique, as our primary role is to prevent disease and not just treat it. Dental caries is one of the most common dental diseases among adults and children alike. Statistics from 2018 indicate 13.2% of children 5 to 19 years of age have untreated dental caries, while the incidence among the adult population ranges between 20.2% to 25.9% with the age group 20 to 44 being the highest incidence. The ADA has provided multiple prevention strategies and guidelines to help guide clinicians in caries prevention. Fluoride toothpaste is a cost-effective prevention that should be implemented in children as soon as the first tooth erupts. Parents should help children brush until they have the dexterity to do it themselves effectively. I like to use the metric of when they can tie their own shoe, they can start attempting to brush on their own, with parents closely monitoring. The fluoride toothpaste recommendations for children are children younger than three years use the amount of a grain of rice or no more than a smear and brush twice a day morning and night children three to six years of age use a pea-sized amount and brush twice per day morning and night it's important to use visual aids to help parents understand and visualize the amount of toothpaste that should be used for children and the proper techniques to help parents successfully brush their children's teeth there are a plethora of images online as well as an image on the ada website that you can refer to when discussing how much toothpaste to use topical fluoride treatments 
professionally applied topical fluoride treatments are also recommended for patients with an increased risk of developing caries. The table in the article on our website shows different options that are recommended for professionally applied topical fluoride. This can help when deciding which option is best for your patients. Younger than 6 years, 2.26% fluoride varnish at least every 3 to 6 months. 6 to 18 years, 2.26% fluoride varnish or 1.23% APF gel for 4 minutes at least every 3 to 6 months. Older than 18 years, 2.26% fluoride varnish or 1.23% APF gel for 4 minutes at least every 3 to 6 months. And adult root caries, 2.26% fluoride varnish or 1.23% APF gel for 4 minutes at least every 3 to 6 months. That was adapted from Wyant, RJ, and others. And here's some additional information of note from the ADA guidelines. 1% fluoride varnish, 1.23% APF foam, or prophylaxis paste are not recommended for preventing coronal caries in all age groups. No prescription-strength topical fluoride agents except 2.26% fluoride varnish are recommended for children younger than 6, and prophylaxis prior to 1.23% APF gel application is not necessary for all age groups. A growing number of patients are leaning toward avoiding fluoride. Though fluoride is safe in the doses that we use in dentistry, chemophobia, the fear of chemicals, is growing with the dissemination of misinformation, inaccurate, and disinformation, deliberately misleading. Social media and the internet have allowed people to misrepresent toxicology in the sense that they don't consider the dosage, but simply make the blanket statement that a substance is toxic. This movement has created the need for alternatives to fluoride for caries prevention. I'd like to add a caveat before moving forward with the expert panel recommendations. And that caveat is that the expert panel clearly states non-fluoride preventative agents should be considered as an adjunctive to a regular caries prevention program. So that means that we should be recommending fluoride along with these non-fluoride options. These options don't replace fluoride as a caries prevention. Though some patients will still decline fluoride, it's imperative that we explain using non-fluoride adjuncts alone are not evidence-based for prevention of caries. Non-fluoride caries prevention agents include polyol, coronal caries. Patients 5 years and older can use sucrose-free polyol, xylitol or polyol combinations, chewing gum for 10 to 20 minutes after meals. Patients 5 years and older can use xylitol-containing lozenges, or hard candy that dissolves slowly in the mouth after meals, 5 to 8 grams per day divided into 2 to 3 doses. Chlorhexidine, root caries. Apply 1 to 1 chlorhexidine thymol varnish every 3 months. Apply 0.5 to 1% chlorhexidine gel alone or in combination with fluoride is not recommended. And using 0.12% chlorhexidine rinse alone or in combination with fluoride is not recommended. Chlorhexidine, coronal caries. Applying 1 to 1 chlorhexidine thymol varnish alone or in combination with fluoride is not recommended. Applying 10% to 40% chlorhexidine varnish alone or in combination with fluoride is not recommended. Applying 0.5% to 1% chlorhexidine gel alone or in combination with fluoride is not recommended. And using 0.12% chlorhexidine rinse alone or in combination with fluoride is not recommended. In summation, the only evidence-based non-fluoride options for coronal caries prevention are polyols. The only evidence-based non-fluoride option for root caries is 1 to 1 chlorhexidine thymol varnish. I see and I hear a lot of talk about arginine and nanohydroxyapatite. However, there's not enough evidence to support their use currently. If you're recommending either of these products as a replacement for fluoride, please advise your patients that it's not an evidence-based practice. Sealants. 
When I think of treatment options most left to personal experience, I think of sealants. Many dental professionals avoid placing them because they claim decay can develop under them and cause a bigger problem. However, the evidence is in stark contrast to these anecdotal experiences. If you've decided to omit sealants as an option for caries prevention, you're not practicing evidence-based dentistry. Furthermore, you're not providing your patients with all their options, which takes away their autonomy, one of the pillars of the patient's rights. The evidence regarding sealants shows a 76% reduction in caries, which is quite significant. The expert panel recommendations for sealants are as follows. Sealant placement in permanent molars with both sound occlusal surfaces and non-cavitated occlusal caries in children and adolescents. Prioritize the use of sealants in permanent molars with both sound occlusal surfaces and non-cavitated occlusal caries lesions over fluoride in children and adolescents. No recommendation for one type of sealant over another. The panel was unable to determine superiority. Keep in mind professional and home fluoride and pit and fissure sealants remain the primary choice for caries prevention. Any non-fluoride options should be used as an adjunct. If a decision must be made between using sealants versus fluoride for non-cavitated and cavitated occlusal carious lesions, sealants are the first choice. Conclusion Evidence-based practice is meant to protect the clinician from liability and provide patients with the best care and treatment options while calibrating the standard of care among healthcare professionals. Though clinicians have all had personal experiences that may counter some of the evidence, we must remember anecdotal evidence does not trump evidence supported by robust data. Correlation does not equal causation. It's in the best interest of our patients to provide them with a standard of care that can be backed by evidence. This will also protect you as a healthcare professional in the event you find yourself involved in litigation. If you find you're not practicing evidence-based dentistry, I encourage you to shift the way you practice encompassing the evidence-based dentistry model. Following the clinical practice guidelines makes decision-making less stressful, and the care provided from hygienist to hygienist remains the same. Patients are often thrown for a loop when two hygienists in the same dental office practice differently. There's a level of reassurance in knowing what to expect at dental appointments, which could also lead to the patient being less stressed and anxious. But the biggest benefit, in my opinion, is that you can sleep at night knowing that you provided your patients with the best care based on current evidence. Before you leave, check out the Today's RDH Self-Study CE courses. All courses are peer-reviewed and non-sponsored to focus solely on high-quality education. You can find out more by visiting dentalce.todaysrdh.com. Thank you for listening to the audio article. I want to thank Listerine again for sponsoring this episode and for their recognition of the important role hygienists play in the dental office. I encourage you to check out the Clearing Up Mouth Rinse Misinformation page at rdh.tv slash Listerine Safety. It is a great resource to help understand the safety of alcohol-containing mouth rinses if a patient ever brings it up with you. That's rdh.tv slash Listerine Safety. The link is also in the description. Thank you for listening to the Today's RDH Dental Hygiene Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.